1: Bonjour, 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 and the Tour de France has made it on French soil, and I'm one little happy Frenchman, I am back in France, and I'm so happy about it. Before we start the podcast today, I'll remind you that uh, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to it on our SoundCloud, where you search for SBS Cycling Central. And of course, you can visit our website sbs.com.au cyclingcentral. Big thank you to our sponsor, Zwift, for making this uh, possible. And today, our guest is none other than Mr. Sir, I don't know, Mr. Mike Tomolaris. Hi, Mike. Christoph, great to be on this podcast. It's very popular and I'm just so thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to have you and you know we've worked really
2: hard to get this podcast up together, yeah? Yeah, we sure have and I couldn't believe that it, you, got, you were given the go-ahead with only a handful of days to go. So congratulations to you. Thank you so much to Swift for doing their job because I think it's uh, important the evolution of uh, our coverage of the Tour de France on SBS has started, uh, well, it did start 27 years ago from virtually nothing uh, half-hour program uh, taken from British television. Uh, we came across in 92 and 93. I'm talking about SBS and just top and tailed it. I came across in 96 to focus on the Australians because the Australian movement in terms of the riders in this race was starting to build. There were three when I came in 1996, and all uh, well, the assembly lines just grew and grew and grew to the point where we first went live in the centenary year of the Tour in 2003, the final stage. And uh, we continued. The snowball effect continued in four, five, and six. We had weekend live stages. It wasn't until 2007 when we went live from start to finish, which was a big, big move. And now with the introduction of uh, the digital movement and now the podcast, it's uh, an evolution that has just grown and grown in the last 27 years.
1: It's very interesting, actually, to, to look at it this way because... SBS is now very, very established in Australia, of course, for cycling. But S- SBS is very established in the ins and outs of the Tour de France here in France. It's almost like the people would not imagine the Tour de France without SBS. Well, it's great. Uh, I mean, uh, we're creatures of habit, uh, to television
2: viewers, and we expect uh, the world's biggest bike race to be on the multicultural national broadcaster. We've got a wonderful relationship with ASO, the, uh, the race uh, organisers. And they understand what the culture from SBS is. And look, ASO could have gone to a commercial television network. They could have gone to Channel 9, 7 or 10. Um, But they know that SBS, So we give this race the TLC, the tender, loving care that it deserves and the respect that it deserves. We wouldn't just uh, bring it in on the satellite without any presentation at all. We, uh, We treat it, we love it, we respect it, and we give it that cultural significance, which it is. It's a cultural journey more so, I believe, than a sporting event and the pushing of pedals. And and ASO understands that. They may not get the same sort of um, funding from SBS as they might from the big commercial networks who have uh, big budgets, but they know through SBS they uh, get a a good quality program, which uh, I think indirectly may... may, uh, Play as a major advantage to to tourists coming to France, for example.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the the stage in Longwy yesterday. In the end, we predicted Peter Sagan to win. I mean, there was always going to be a win by Peter Sagan here.
2: You know, it's still buzzing with excitement. I, in the many years that I've been covering this sport, I still get a real kick out of seeing uh, an entertainer. He's got a real swagger, has Peter Sagan. He's a rock star. He's got, he's everything. He's the complete package. And I've asked the question many times. He's still relatively young in his 20s. Is he a living legend? Are we seeing something very special? Are people going to be talking about Peter Sagan in 50, 100 years' time like they do uh, some of the greats of world sport in 2017 from 100 years ago? I think so. I mean, he's worn and worn the green jersey five consecutive years. He's picked up a stage win yesterday, despite the fact that he lost his footing and still had the composure and the skill to put his foot back into the cleats and uh, win the stage he's incredible i love him we love him the world loves him
1: and uh, it's great to see let's have a listen to uh, peter Sagan just after the, the race
3: great job and uh in the end i'm very happy for this victory because uh i had a little bit of lag in the bedtime the last 300 meters when i just click off my my shoes from the pedal uh, in the end, it was a happy end for us, Borant Groen. Uh, it's very good also for the next days is to keep calm and uh, stay relaxed.
2: I don't know how he does it, but uh, like I said before, he is the complete package. He's wonderful. What can I say about him that it hasn't already been said? Uh, he is something that keeps this sport going and brings new
1: spectators to this beautiful sport of professional cycling. And the way he, he overtook uh, Richie Port uh, was just incredible. Let's have a listen to, uh, to Richie Port.
3: The guys put me in a fantastic position
1: there in the final and I felt good. It, uh, I think when I saw that 500 meters to go, I knew it was a little bit too far out. But uh, you know, I think it's uh, uh, good for the team. They were really strong today and uh, you know, it's a shame I didn't quite finish it off. So Richie Port really had a go as well yesterday. It wasn't his day. But still, it's quite encouraging. It is encouraging. The fact that he's prepared to fight very early
2: in this tour to try and bridge that gap to Chris Froome um, is, is, uh, is, is a good sign. But look, Chris Froome, for me, to be in second position after three stages, 12 seconds behind his teammate, well... It just looks so promising for a man that is chasing a fourth Tour de France, but if he grabs this yellow jersey very early in this Tour, he's going to, uh, I won't say destroy the race, but certainly destroy the suspense. There's nothing more than we'd like to see is a suspenseful Tour de France. We saw it at the Giro d'Italia just six weeks ago. It's been a while since we saw a suspenseful race. I think it was 2011 when Cadel Evans won this race on the very uh, penultimate stage, the second last stage. Uh, Let's hope we see something that comes down to the wire in the last week, if not the last day but the way Chris Froome is going now uh, he's making it very difficult even for Richie Port. Do you think he's got a mental advantage
1: on, on Richie Port, even now earlier on on the Tour de France?
2: I don't think it's a mental advantage I think Richie Port is mentally prepared for this tour I just think he has the experience uh, he has the team around him he has everything just falling into place uh, what can you say about a man that's won this tour three times he's up there already in second place after three stages Look, uh, I don't wish ill of Chris Froome, but I do hope that
1: uh, he loses some time. Just quietly, don't tell anybody else, uh, Christoph. Okay, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk British cycling, and why are they so dominant? It's incredible. You're listening to the Zwift to the front podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Sometimes you just can't get outside for a ride because it's either late at night or the weather is just horrible, or you have other family commitments. The beauty of Zwift is you can Zwift at any time of day for however long you like. There's always a community of friendly cyclists and competitors waiting to take on the roads of Watopia or Richmond where the World Championships were held in 2015. Perfect for the time-crunched athlete or new cyclist. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today.
1: Uh, Welcome back, you're listening to the Zwift Tour de France podcast, and now we'll talk about uh, British cycling, and I've got a guest with me, uh, Rob Hales, he's the voice of cycling on uh, BBC Radio 5 Live, he's also an ex-rider, hi Rob. Hello. Uh, let's talk about British Cycling. You had a very, very interesting run in the last few years. Uh, we can say that you dominated cycling. How do you see the run that has been through Wiggins or Sir Bradley Wiggins and now from dominating?
3: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I was part of the track squad from the early 90s, uh, pre-Dave Brailsford. So, um, you know, when British cycling, literally just a few thousands of pounds of of budget. And then the lottery funding came in in 1997. We had the Manchester Velodrome, which came in uh, a couple of years previous to that.
1: So that was for the Commonwealth Games, yeah?
3: That was, well, it was, um, yeah, for the Commonwealth Games um prior to the velodrome we used to train on an outdoor track in leicester so for atlanta olympics for instance and i mean even before that barcelona 92 we trained for we had five days of training a year seven days max probably three of those were rained off uh we had no money and we basically what we did we copied you guys Uh, When we had the funding, it was Peter Keane, who was Chris Boardman's coach. He had this plan, this vision, and he went to UK Sport and presented them with this plan, which if you look back at it now, it, it was almost as if he had a crystal ball. Um, so he set kind of everything up, the, the pathway for British Cycling, along with the funding which obviously came in. And he lasted a couple of years and then he passed the mantle on to Dave Brailsford, who took over. And what we did, we tried to replicate what the Australian squad were doing on the track. Um, you know, we looked at the funding, and the, it was it was basically on medals, Olympic medals, where where are more medals on the road or on the track? Well, it's on the track, obviously. So that's where that all started from. And obviously, we now look kind of ten, fifteen, twenty years on, and you know they've then replicated that on the road. Team Sky came off the back of the success of you know our sprinters and our endurance riders on the track, and. <sighs> It's been, it hasn't been an overnight success. You know, it took a a good five or six years. It took till, you know, Sydney Olympics 2000 where we started to kind of get the results. Beijing, obviously, we came where I think we had eight golds in in Beijing and then London 2012 was where it really took off and cycling in the UK has been embraced massively, you know, off the track and then obviously with, with the success that we have on the road. I mean, we have more GB riders here at the Tour de France than we had 16 years ago in the entire peloton. There were four of us on the road um, in the pro peloton and we've got nine guys here alone and we've left a lot at home. So it's been a big thing, but it's been thanks to you, Australian guys, basically, that the, the, the success has come. You know
1: that we can take that victory
3: because you, we, li- we like I, to write things like in home. A win's a win, whatever it is, yeah, no, totally.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, uh, in terms of this year, it started very well for Britain uh, because well, Thomas in yellow from day one. Froome can grab the yellow pretty quickly. Could you imagine twenty-one stages yellow for for Britain?
3: Uh, I can now. Uh, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise. The time trial. We know Geraint Thomas is um, you know a phenomenal athlete. I mean, I was riding with him on the track squad when he first joined as a first-year senior, and already we could I could see he did things his own way. He didn't follow the crowd. He is an incredibly talented athlete. Uh, As a bike rider, we saw in the Giro d'Italia, he was looking exceptionally good. The Giro hadn't really touched him. Um, He was getting himself through every day, and then obviously they had that massive crash with the uh, With the police motorbike on the blockhouse climb, which annihilated team Sky one or two others as well, and uh, he he bounced back from that after the rest day with that second place to do Milan in the time trial, so we know he can time trial well um it it's just funny that a lot of people have been going on about how well they did you know which is ironically that the fact that Geraint Thomas has known for crashing a lot it's not because he doesn't he hasn't got good bike handling it's because he always pushes the limits um so he always kind of seems to have this thing of oh he's always crashing he's always on the floor which in a way is true Chris Froome as well always crashing those two got themselves around fine it was everyone else who seemed to be crashing so they they pushed the limits because they went quick obviously um but yeah to see to see Geraint in yellow now when you, when you listen to his interviews he's still quite surprised about it and he's not talking with the confidence of yeah I'm in this and I'm going to try and keep this as long as I can because the priority is still Chris Froome but looking at the course I can imagine Geraint still being in it even possibly after day five when we got that finish on Planche de Belfi if he doesn't the option is potentially Chris Froome to take that and I, if Chris Froome does take it on stage five is he going to relinquish it? I don't know. Do they want it? Because that's the thing. They've got pressure. If you're in yellow, you've got pressure. At the moment, that is off. Plan A, which will still be plan A, which is Chris Froome. The team have it, which is... But good. if there's one team that can manage that pressure, it's Sky. They've, they've done it before um, Chris Froome's obviously coming in the Tour slightly differently he hasn't won a race as of yet um, so potentially he's coming in fresh he says he's fresher that final week he does tend to die off a little bit in previous tours but he's always he built up such a buffer that that he's been able to hang on he already has a bit of a buffer uh, a very decent buffer after only 14 kilometers of racing uh, obviously after day one It'll be interesting to see who can take it. Quintana, he's already lost Valverde, but the course is slightly different. There's obviously less time trialing, where where Froome will be able to take time out. Uh, There are a lot less mountaintop finishes, summit finishes this year. It's going to be an interesting one. This race isn't over yet. As you never know, so it was it was easy for us to get very excited after the time trial. Um, but you just never know in the Tour and that's what makes cycling so great. The variables come in left, right and centre and you just don't know. You can't take your eye off it.
1: Quick question about the team Sky. Uh, it seems to, you know other media are really having their eyes on them and they're trying to really hammer them with very tough questions and Sky is responding a certain way. You as Brits, how do you feel when you when you see this? Are they, are all the media fair or unfair? Is that is a fair game or is it not a fair game?
3: It's, I think... Uh, you you turn up to a race like this it's fair game in many respects but yeah they take a hammering it's i think it's good that cycling is being asked questions it seems very unfair that they're kind of being pushed towards one team i mean it's coming up already about the skin suits for instance movistar been using the skin suit. Garrett thomas used the very same skin suit at the Giro, there were no questions asked, but here at the Tour de France, it's like everything, the media, you open up L'Equipe today, and it's like, hey, you know, this is the thing is, this is where the UCI, the world governing body, need to step in and say, either A, hey, do you know what, we've cocked up, they shouldn't be allowed to use this skin suit, but they have been, so basically it's ratified, we will... You know, look to changing it in the future, but right now we can't do. Or they should turn around and say, "It's fine. It's ratified. They've used it before. We have this before every Olympic Games. You know, new equipment has to be used in an event prior to World Cup or a World Championships before before the Olympics. Um, so we've gone through this route before. But yeah, it, it just seems that the spotlight is on them. To be fair, British Cycling and Team Sky, their PR is not the best. Um, They have made some very silly statements over the years. But it's it's one of those things, obviously, as a Brit, you know, I want to... Be on their side, but yeah, you have to stand back and go. Well, hold on a minute. This is just ridiculous. What's going on? And I wouldn't want to be in Team Sky, certainly not here in France at the Tour.
1: But would you be? Would you want to be riding now this Tour in this golden age of British cycling? Uh, Not saying that you, you you were here before. It wasn't the golden age. But would you want to be included in that sort of golden age of British cycling today, on these days on the routes of France?
3: I, you know, when I look at where kind of where I came from the success or lack of success that we have I kind of have a foot in both camps really would I want to be 20 years old now starting my career hell yeah why not but at the same time I retired at the end of 2011 I'm now able to work within cycling because I am unemployable outside of cycling believe me I did it for you know I, I rode for that long that there was nothing else in my life so I have that benefit. Would I want to be earning the sort of money that the guys are earning now? Damn right, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there you go. I'm here earning my pittance mm-hmm. every day, on the cold face, trying to bring cycling to them, to the crowd back home and spreading the love. Thank you, it's been lovely talking to you.
0: Pleasure. Zwift has group rides for all levels. With a ride approximately every 30 minutes, you can join a group and ride that fits your schedule and your level. Group rides stay together behind a leader. They enjoy friendly banter, a relaxed vibe, a little bit of fun, and some friendly racing. Just like rides in the real world, except there's no worries about a rear-wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today.
1: Uh, Welcome back into the Zwift Tour de France podcast. And Mike Tomolaris, Tomo, is back with us. Uh, we just heard earlier on in a podcast uh, from the BBC and from their coverage and how uh, British cycling has evolved over the years. So there's kind of a similar history. Rob just told us uh, the, the Brits have copied the Australian system. How do you see it from, from an Australian point of view? I think it's great that the British are finally
2: realising that Australia on the other end of the world is, uh, is way ahead of the game when it comes to developing athletes, not just cyclists, but athletes. And we had a programme put in place... From the uh, early 1990s, as a matter of fact, at the Australian Institute of Sport, we had a German coach come out here by the name of Heiko Salzwiedel. and he uh, developed the likes of uh, Robbie McEwen, David McKenzie, Hank Vogels, just to name a few. And uh, these uh, riders went on to create the wave of uh, talent that uh, arrived in Europe from 1996 onwards. Um, so it's great. Uh, team sky was, uh, developed shortly after 2005. And it's great that uh, they did copy the Australian system and look where that wave of Aussie talent from those names I've just mentioned have come from. They wore yellow jerseys. They won stages. Robbie McEwen, a legend in tour de France history, 12 stage wins, three green jerseys. Brad McGee is another one who came from that system as well. So, um, I'm so fortunate to have seen many of the yellow jerseys that uh, have been worn by Australians. The only one uh, that I haven't seen out of the seven is Phil Anderson, who was, uh, it was the first non-European to wear yellow uh, in 1981. So, look, it's kudos to Australia. We are a country of uh, sports-loving people, as are the French, as are the Brits. So if we can do something that can um, spark uh, a catalyst for British cycling, well, that's great. And the three riders you named have been taken by uh, SBS then. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, I'm pretty proud about that too. I've known uh, Dave and Hank, And uh, who was the other one? Uh, uh, Robbie, Robbie, of course. How could I forget Robbie? He's, he's in our faces every day. I'm so proud and happy that I've known these guys for the best part of 25 years. and. Uh, For me, it was only a no-brainer to bring them on board. They speak well, they present well, they understand the sport. They're Australians and they're catering for an Australian market. And I'm really happy that uh, ASO, the organisers, have taken on Matthew Keenan and Robbie McEwen as an all-Australian commentary team. Aussie accents are being heard right around the English-speaking world. Including in Britain including in Britain, too, and I'm not too sure how that goes down, but, um,
1: you know, the colonies, well, we, we can be proud. Okay, let's concentrate on the, on the stage tonight. We arrive in, in Vittel. Vitel is a very famous water spa area in France, but it's going to be anything but soft. It's going to be a fast finish after quite a long stage, 207 kilometres. I've got to say, uh, they're also a major sponsor of the Tour de France.
2: Uh, and you know what, uh, um, do, you, do, you, do you think that's why they're here? <laughs> well, possibly, but, you know, when you look at some of the towns around uh, France, and I know France very well in terms of geography, you've got uh, a lot of uh, n- town names which have become part of the vernacular in, in English. For example, Chateaubriand, which, of course, is a source. Uh, you've got uh, Dijon, which is a source. You've got um, Cognac, uh, which is a um, which is a spirit. You've got Bordeaux, which, of course, is a white camembert and now vitel. So um, it's great. Uh, we're learning some so much about uh, French uh, geography as well as French food and drink. But uh, the stage today, look, uh, it's very, very flat and the sprinters are going to come out to play. Uh, it's unfortunate that we really don't have a, a pure sprinter this year from Australia. We've become so used to seeing uh, the Aussies dominate uh, in, um, in the sprints. Robbie McEwen, of course set the scene a long time ago. Michael Matthews, I don't think uh, he can challenge, I might be wrong, but I don't think he can challenge the likes of Kittel, Mark Cavendish and and those names, and Greipel. I'd like to see Mark Cavendish get up. And even though we've seen him on the podium 30 times in his career, which is quite an incredible number, he's only about four or five away from the all-time record by Eddie Merckx, he's played down his chances coming into this tour. I think, uh, look, he wouldn't be here unless he knew, he knows that he can produce something. So I wouldn't be surprised if Cavendish upsets Marcel Kittel later on today.
1: Yeah, and because he comes back from a, course, very serious illness, how good would that be to see him at least on the podium for winning a stage
2: look it's great Uh, he is an entertainer he's a little bit misunderstood when he came along for the first time at the tour made his debut in 2007 he was deemed a brat a spoilt little brat by those who who didn't know him that well He was young. He was 21. And, uh, look, sprinters are like that. They've got this mongrel in them. And uh, you ask Robbie McEwen, uh, he had that mongrel in him. And you need that if you want to be a successful sprinter. They're brash. They can be arrogant. But, you know, that's uh, 10 years ago. He's uh, 31 now, and he's got a family, a lovely lovely family. He's... uh, I'm sure he's still a mongrel, but he's a, he's a well-liked mongrel as far as I'm concerned. Uh, take him away and ask him to come to your place for dinner, Mark Cavendish, and you'll have probably the best experience. I haven't had that chance, but I know away from the motorbi- uh, the pushbike, I should say, he is he's
1: a lovely character. With Dave McKenzie, we've been talking a lot about uh, Belgian beers. We are now on French soil. Is that your shot for the wine tonight? Uh, Probably. You know, uh, know,
2: part of the reason why I've done 22 of these tours, uh, Christophe, is because I've come to appreciate, I've come to love, I've come to absolutely adore. I'm not French, but I feel French whenever I come here. I love the food. I love the Reds. I love the people. And the people love us. There's a misconception about uh, French people, Maybe not so much with Parisians, but certainly outside of Paris. The French people love Australians. That might not be the case with British people. That may not be the case with Americans. But I know from my experience, whenever I tell uh, a Frenchman in the country areas particularly, they confuse us with uh, the English sometimes. But I tell them, no, 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 please. Uh, we are Australia. We are not the roast beef. Uh, we are Australians. And uh, they they open up their doors they roll out the red carpet and I, I don't know what it is but there must be an affinity between australia and france even though we don't speak the same language of course there's that historical alliance from uh, the wars um and I, I said before that we love our sport and perhaps that's what it is as well there's a bond between france and australia when it comes to sport as well
1: and a very special bond here in longwy because we are not far from verdun this is a territory where australians came from everywhere to almost die here. There's loads and lots of... Years. I can't remember the exact number, but the number is staggering. I just love that history. It's sad that it's happened. Uh, but even um, in the
2: Somme, Villa Bretonou. I, I just love the fact that uh, you hear stories of uh, the school curriculum in that part of the world. The kids are taught about uh, the day the Australian soldiers saved their little town from, uh, from the Germans in, in, in 1918 it was. And that history continues to be taught to those kids today. And there are sc- uh, streets in uh, Villers-Bretonneux named after
1: capital cities in Australia. It's just beautiful. And I, that goes back to the affinity that the French have. I'll give you a quick anecdote. Uh, when I became Australian, the week after I was in Villa bretonneux when you go into the school, inside the school in Villa bretonneux the, there's a wall, and it says in English, never forget Australia. in in gold and green.
2: You know, that just gives me goosebumps, and uh, actually it it brings tears to my eyes. Uh, It's just wonderful, beautiful history, and that's what this Tour de France is about. It's not so much about the pushing of pedals, and I love the way Christian Prudhomme, the race director, goes about designing a course each and every year. He remembers the past, he remembers the history, not just uh, for the sport, but uh, for everything else that this country, France, has gone through during its uh, its time, way back to the storming of the Bastille, and uh, in more recent history, it's just great that uh, Christian Predom can combine sport with history geography culture
1: cuisine it's a complete package tomo it's been absolutely lovely to have you in, uh, in the pod and i hope uh, i hope you enjoyed it and i hope you will see you again in the pod uh, sometimes in the next 15-20 days ah for sure if uh, swift has got anything to do with it and you too Christoph Malaya, i'll be back Thank you, Tomo. And uh, this is it for us today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you do, uh, make sure you uh, tell your friends, you tell your wife, you tell your mom, you tell your sons and daughters, etc. You can subscribe to uh, this podcast as well on iTunes and on your favorite podcast platforms. Or you can listen to it on SoundCloud as you normally do. As for us, we'll hit the road and we'll be back in your ears tomorrow morning. On behalf of the uh, SBS team here, I'd say au revoir for now.
0: Thanks to Zwift for sponsoring the SBS Tour de France podcast. Every day throughout the Tour de France, there are SBS group rides that you can join and see how your wattage output compares to the likes of Richie Port and Chris Froome. Check it out today by visiting zwift.com to learn more.